Let me pray, and then we're going to read some scripture this morning. Father, I love you. I'm thankful for your love. I'm thankful for your grace. Jesus, 10,000 years won't be enough time to say thank you. And that's what the old hymn says, that we're going to sing your grace. We're going to sing your love for years to come. And I'm so thankful, Jesus, that you said yes. You said yes to coming to the earth. You said yes to being born. You said yes to the cross. And you said yes to saving me and saving us. And I'm thankful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, <clears throat> excuse me, and he called his name Jesus. Last week, I talked to you about the Christmas story. I broadened it and talked to you about the Word of God. You see, the Bible is a story. Now, it does have guidelines in it. It does certainly have doctrine in it, and I'm not saying that it doesn't. But overall, the Bible is a story. And it's not just any story. It's a love story. And it's not just any love story. It's your love story. Now, don't miss this this morning. If you are loved this morning and you know you're loved, I'm thankful for that in your life. But if you're here this morning and you don't know if you are loved and you wished you were a part of a love story and you wish somebody did love you, I want you to know this morning you are loved, you are part of a story, and the Bible is God's love story. It is his pursuit of you. It is him sending his only son to be born on the earth, to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead on the third day, to save you so that you and I could spend eternity with him. I talk to you about stories. Stories are the language of the heart. What does that mean? That means that when you hear a story, it stirs something on the inside of you. You see, we don't even really understand or know each other until we've heard some of each other's story. Vicki and I, a few weeks ago, were in a couple's home, and they were having some illness, and Vicki and I went to pray with them. And as we prayed, uh, we began to sit down and visit. And I know this couple, and I've known them for quite some time. But this individual began to talk about their life, and they began to share their story, and they began to talk about their experiences. And I was dumbfounded at this person's experiences, the places they'd been, the things they'd done, the jobs that they had had. It wasn't bad. It wasn't dark. It was just a picture into who they were. 
are. And because I've heard part of this person's story, I know them better. You see, we can be in church every single Sunday. We can sit next to each other in the chairs every Sunday. You can even sit next to people at the dinner table at your home. And if you don't know their story, you don't know them very well. The Bible is a story. It's your story. And it's the story of God rescuing your heart. I talked to you about how every story, including the Word of God, has three eternal truths within it. Within the Bible, there are three eternal truths. And I talked about the first one last week. And that first eternal truth is things are not as they appear. You see, we live in a natural world. I talked about that. And sometimes your life can seem routine, can it not? Your life can almost seem sometimes boring. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but, you know, we go to work, we go home, we pay bills, we take care of kids, we do what we do every single day. And if you're not careful, it becomes mundane, it becomes routine. But here's the truth. There's more going on in your life than meets the eye. We know Jesus was more than a baby, was he not? Mary and Joseph were more than just young parents. Jesus was more than a child. He was more than a young carpenter. We know that. We know exactly who he was. He was the Savior of the world. He was our Savior. Paul was more than a tent maker. The disciples were more than fishermen. Now, don't miss this. There's more to you than meets the eye. God is at work in your life. God is at work in your family more than you know, more than you realize. You see, in my young Christianity, I would always feel like if I couldn't see God moving, then I felt like he wasn't moving. Have you ever felt like that before? You know, if you don't see God's hand in your life, you think sometimes, where's God? I wish God would do this, or I wish God would do that. I have prayers right now in my life, personal prayers that I've been praying for some time that I haven't seen answers to. And you think sometimes, God, where are you? What are you doing? But here's what I want you to know. God is moving. He's moving in my life. He's moving in your life. And listen, if you can't see it, he's moving. If you can see it, he's moving. You see, God is not this stoic being who's seated on a throne doing nothing. That's not God. That's never been God's heart. You see, God is at work. What's the Christmas story? Well, it's redemption. It's healing. It's restoration. It's forgiveness. It's a second chance. It's a third chance. It's a hundredth chance. There's more going on than meets the eye. There's more to your life than meets the eye. You matter. And the Bible is God's love story towards you. And I so want you to understand that. Here's the second eternal truth that's in every story. We live in a world at war. Now, I know there's war going on. Right now as we speak, there are men and women in military serving in foreign lands. And they're overseas, and we have military right here in our own nation, but they're in foreign lands, and they're put in harm's way, and they're serving, and there's war going on. In fact, Jesus said in the New Testament that there would always be wars and rumors of war. You see, until Jesus comes and restores the kingdom and there's righteous rule, there'll probably always be war. You know, I'm guilty. I've been watching the news lately, and they've been talking a lot on the news about Aleppo. Aleppo is a city in Syria. And I'll be honest with you, as I'm watching the news, I'm kind of, I'm half paying attention. You know, I'm listening, I'm not listening, I'm drinking coffee, or I'm on my iPad, or I'm thinking something else, and I keep hearing Aleppo. And so it stirred in me. 
And so I thought, hey, I want to know what's going on. Somebody even asked me, Vicki and I even talked about it. What's going on in Aleppo? Well, I looked it up on the internet and I found out that it's part of Syria and that there's civil war going on in that nation and people are being killed by the thousands. And I, and I studied on it a little bit and I took some time to read it. So now when I see it on the news, I know more of what's going on. Now, I'm not pretending that I can fix it or any of those kind of things, but I wanted to know more of what's going on. Listen, you live in a world at war. If you could understand something, it would so help you. You see, most Christians, here's how we live. There's Jesus, and he loves me, and that's absolutely a fact. The Bible says, doesn't it? Jesus, what did he say? He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. You might have it more abundantly. But then there's a second half to that verse, and he said this, but there's a thief. There's an enemy, and he's coming too. And he comes to kill, and he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy. So see, here's how most Christians live. Jesus is alive. Jesus loves me. And then I've just got to get my act together. And if I can get my act together, then somehow God will begin to move in my life. And those prayers that I've been praying that haven't been answered, they'll be answered because I'm going to get things going on. And see, here's what happens. That leaves out a very powerful, crucial role. And in fact, if you don't understand this, you don't understand a lot about your life. And that is... You have an enemy, and you live in a world at war. Now, don't miss this. See, if you could recognize the difficulties in your life as spiritual warfare instead of just junk going on, it, really, it would really help you. Now, I heard a preacher say one time that we make two mistakes with the devil. Mistake number one is we think everything's the devil. All right, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, <clears throat> that means Jonathan coughs, and I think he has a coughing devil. That's weird, right? <laughs> yeah, it's okay to laugh. That's weird. Right, we, we don't believe that. The, and then the other side, though, is, is that nothing's the devil, right? <clears throat> things are just, it's just the way things are, and life's just a problem, and, and, there, and, there, and that's the tradition I grew up in. We believed in Jesus. He was our Savior, but we knew nothing about spiritual warfare. We knew nothing that there was an enemy and that he hated me. Joe McGee, a good friend of mine, says that all the time, that the devil's an equal opportunity hater. So here's the second eternal truth. You live in a world at war, and you're under attack. You are under attack. And when things are going on in your life, you ever done that before? You think to yourself, man, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to pray. And when that alarm goes off, you're so tired, you feel like a zombie, right? You almost feel like you're drugged and you get up and you can't pray. You can't hardly move. You can't hardly find the coffee pot. What if there was something after you attacking you to keep you from praying? What if you recognized I'm under attack here and it isn't just me, it isn't just my emotions, there is a kingdom of darkness, there is an enemy and he benefits from me not praying. He benefits from me being cynical. He benefits from me thinking, hey, nothing in my life works out. I hate Tulia. I wish I didn't live here. I wish I had a different job. My life stinks. Hey, maybe you're under attack. Maybe there's more going on than meets the eye and there is. Now, just very simply, very powerfully, all you have to do is use the name of Jesus. I've been encouraging you for weeks and weeks, haven't I been talking about it? As you're driving through your day, all you have to do is speak the name of Jesus. You can pray, I pray, but if you just say, Jesus, the Bible says there's life in that name. Here's what I do, and I'm doing it all the time now. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you for healing me. Jesus, thank you for giving me peace. Now, listen, whatever it is you need, Whatever it is you need, 
I heard Pastor Jimmy Evans at a men's retreat years ago. He preached this, and I never forgot it. He said, pray that your wife has peace in your mind and have sense enough not to do it in front of her. I pray for my wife all the time. I always ask my wife, are you praying for me? And she always says, well, yeah, sometimes. Ashley's laughing, right? Yeah, yeah, I pray for Vicky all the time. You don't need prayer, you're fine. It's like, pray for me, amen? All right, there's a world at war, and you and I live in the middle of it. There's two kingdoms clashing, and I just want to encourage you. Speak the name of Jesus over your children. Speak the name of Jesus over your family. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make anything bad happen in your life. In fact, it makes something good happen in your life. I want to read a scripture to you. I'm going to read you the Christmas story out of the book of Revelation. That's true. Jesus came in a manger. It's true. It was beautiful, and it was wonderful. But Revelation is the spiritual side. Here's what I want you to understand about the birth of Christ. And I know some of you know this. It was an invasion. You see, the earth belongs to the devil. The Bible says that he's the prince of this world. People always say, why does God let things happen on the earth the way it does? He has nothing to do with it. We gave it to the enemy when we sinned in the garden, and he's been in charge of the earth, and it's broken because of sin, and Jesus is going to come someday, and he's going to restore it. But until then, this place is a mess, and it's because of us and because of darkness, not because of God. Now, let me read to you out of Revelation. You're going to love this. I hope you love it. It's Revelation 12. And this is a different view of the Christmas story. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, possibly the star of Bethlehem, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. That's an image of the devil. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Remember, Herod sent the soldiers and they committed genocide because they wanted to know where Jesus was and they killed all the babies. This is a spiritual description of that story. Listen to what it says. Well, how, can that be, how can that be that story, Pastor? She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's no one but Jesus. Because only one person is going to rule and it's going to be Jesus. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. Where's Jesus? He's seated at the throne of the Father. The woman fled into the wilderness. Didn't Mary and Joseph go into Egypt to hide? Where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her three Excuse me, they should feed her there 1,260 days. That's the spiritual side of the same story I just read to you in Bethlehem. And here's something interesting just to think about. What if when you put your nativity scene up, you went to the store somewhere and found a little red dragon? And then when you put up your nativity scene on top of it, you put a little red dragon. That'd shake up your family, wouldn't it? Or I've got one even better. Put one out. You know how people have one outside? And the little blow-up, Mary and Jesus are out. You know how they are in the wind. And I'm not, I think it's, I'm not picking on anybody. But you know how, all right, all right. And then somewhere find a dragon and blow it up and suspend it above that whole story. Your neighbors would stop and say, do you need prayer? All right, what is wrong with you? Oh, I'm just celebrating Christmas. Now, I'm not advocating you do that. You might get in trouble, right? But all I want you to see is you and I live in a world at war. That's all I want you to see. Here's the third simple truth the third eternal truth, and that is this. You are needed. Now, this is the one truth we believe the least. You matter 
and you are needed. You see, things are not as they appear. We're in the middle of a great battle, and things are hanging in the balance, and you are needed. You see, I suffered with that for years in my own life, in my own ministry. I'm not anybody. I'm not important. I don't matter, because if I mattered, I wouldn't be in Tulia. I wouldn't be at Tulia Christian Fellowship. I'd be somewhere important. I'd be someplace big, and God had to work me through that, and thankfully, he has worked me through it, and I don't struggle with that anymore. But every one of you, in one way or another, struggle with that lie. Listen, you're needed. Men, let me talk to you for just a minute. Fathers, husbands, grandfathers, listen, your wives need you, men. Your children need you. Your grandchildren need you. The men you work with need you. The people you see in the pharmacy and the grocery store, they need you. Your church needs you. Your pastor needs you. This community needs you. (sighs) Ladies, let me talk to you for just a minute. Wives, mothers, daughters. If you're married, (sighs) ladies, your husband needs you. Could I encourage you with all of my heart, pray for your husbands. Moms, your children need you. Your grandchildren need you. The people you work with in your job, they need you, all right? This church needs you. Your pastor needs you. Your community needs you. What are you saying, pastor? Here's what I'm saying. The people in your world every single day need you. They need you to have the love of Christ. They need you to have hope. They need you to have courage. They need you to have a smile on your face. And listen, I know every one of you can be going through things, but you're desperately needed. Now, I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan or not. But Kurt and I went and saw Rogue One, and I love those movies, and that movie was absolutely incredible. And all three of these elements is in that story. All three of these elements is in every one of those Star Wars stories because the premise of the story is a young woman who's been abandoned, and she thinks that she doesn't matter, but she has a huge part to play in the resistance of evil. That's your story. Looking as I look across this room, you matter. You're needed. You count. You make a difference. Don't you think you don't? Because that's the third third eternal truth. Listen, your family needs you. Can I just encourage you? In the Christmas holiday season, your family needs you. Monday, Vicki and I found out that Joe McGee, who's spoken here many times, wife passed away Sunday, and she'd been ill and fighting a battle, and she passed away. And we went this week to Tulsa to the funeral, and her funeral was on Thursday, and, and it went as well as could be expected, and Joe's doing as good as could be expected, and they have six grown children, and he and her were married for 45 years, and she was 62 years old, and driving home, and the rest of this week, of course, I know many of you have lost loved ones, and you've lost people close to you, but here's what the Holy Spirit stirred in me, and I just want to stir it into your heart. When she was 31, she was half done. 62. When she was 31, she was half done. Here's the first thing the Holy Spirit stirred in my heart. It's later than you think. It's later than you think. What are you putting your time and energy into in the life that you have? I wonder, I wonder for me, and I wonder for you, I wonder what your halfway date is. And we don't know, right? Let's just pull out a round number. Let's just say 80. Let's say I live to be 80. That's a good, happy round number, right? I mean, I'm sure when I get 80, I'll want to live longer than that. But just for random sake, I'll pull that number out. That means when I was 40, I was half done. I blew by that post 21 years ago. That's kind of scary. 
So my question is this morning, uh, what are you doing with the time that you have left about being half done? And it made me think. It made me begin to think in my own life and I hopefully in your life. Okay, what does matter? What really is important? And, and here's what stirred in my heart. The very first thing, of course, is Jesus Christ. That's what this season is all about. Listen, my number one priority is my relationship with Jesus Christ. I love him and I know he loves me and that's my most important relationship. Then the second in my life is my family. I'm so grateful for my wife and for my son and my daughter and my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law and our brand-new grandbaby who will be one years old on December the 30th. I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful, and it matters to me, and I want to be there for my family, and I want to love them. Then the third thing that started in my heart is people. That's you, okay? You know, God's business is people, not buildings. You understand? I know you know that, but you need to hear it. God's business is not buildings. God's business is people. We're the church, not this facility. I know you know that, but it matters. People matter. And you see, we've been raised in a world where people don't matter. You know, I just finished the book, Imagine Heaven, for the second time. And as I finished that book, it stirred two things in me. And that is all I heard in that book over and over and over when people went into the other life was, how did you treat people? How did you treat people? Rusty, how did you treat people? How did you treat those who could do nothing for you? And the second thing in that book was, did you love? And that's my last one. All right, my first point is Jesus. My second point is family. My third point is people, which is God's business. And my fourth point was love. Do you remember what Jesus said when I talked about church a few weeks ago? The only measure of a disciple is what? Love. Love. Listen, you know what I want to do with the time that I have left? I want to love better. I want to care about people more. I want to be there for my family. I want to be there for Jesus Christ. You know, my last Christmas with my mom and my dad and my brother, I was 18 years old, and I'm 61. I wonder, last Christmas, and I know the answer just like you do, Joe and Denise, when they had Christmas last year, uh, if she had gotten up from the table and said, man, I hope everybody enjoyed it because next year I won't be here. You see, they didn't have that on their daytimer. They didn't have that on their planner for 2016, that, hey, this is mom's last Christmas. This is mom's last Thanksgiving. None of us think like that. Death does not make an appointment. But I just want to stir this thought in you. I don't want to discourage you. And I'm not trying to put a death whistle on you. On you but, but here's what's stirring in my heart. Don't miss this week. Don't miss this Christmas. Listen, come to church Christmas Eve and bring your neighbors, bring your family. And we're going to sing and we're going to worship God. And we're going to read the Christmas story. And we're going to do candlelight. And we're going to take communion. And listen, take some time to hug your loved ones. Take some time to be around the people you love and don't miss being together and don't think about something else more important because listen to me, there is nothing more important. Your family's what matters. Your relationship with Jesus is what matters and the time that you have left is what matters. Listen, you are needed. You're needed. You live in a world at war And there's more going on in your life than you think. So as you celebrate this holiday season, recognize what you say and what you do matters. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and let's pray. Father God, I love you. I'm thankful for Tulia Christian Fellowship. I'm thankful for the people in this service. I'm thankful that you counted me faithful placing me here. 
<clears throat> Lord, I want to pray for every person in this service that we don't miss this week, we don't miss this season, we don't miss Christmas, and that you help us recognize that we matter, what we say matters, that we are needed, and that our lives do count, and that we do make a difference. And it's not the big things, it's the small things. Father, strengthen us, encourage us, refresh us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said.